Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Pasha. My name is Nando Begum Jali. Thank you for joining us. Parts of South Africa have been engulfed in widespread looting, violence, and destruction. The initial signs of trouble were linked to anger over the arrest of former President Jacob Zuma to serve a 15-month sentence for contempt of court. A number of reasons have been put forward for widespread destruction of property and frenzy of looting in the countries Gauteng and Guazulu-Natal provinces. David Everett, a professor of urban governance at Wits University in South Africa, joins us today. David, what do you think the drivers have been? I don't think there is an easy uh, and certainly not a single answer to that question. I think there were layers of different constituencies acting in not not necessarily for the same reason. Uh, So I certainly think you had lots of hungry, potentially angry, certainly freezing cold and uh, starving people who were more than willing to go and loot a mall, having been assured, as many of them have told us since, and told the police and others, that they were told that they would not be prosecuted. Uh, in other words, it was it was a free-for-all. It was help yourself. But at the same time, it's self-evident from the... Uh, I've read the reports from the Peter Marisburg Chamber, I think it's the Chamber of Commerce, I'm not sure which entity, but they make the point that the malls that were looted in Peter Maritzburg were incredibly professionally done. That is, uh, the mall itself was uh, unlocked with extreme proficiency. All the security cameras were stolen. Then the recordings were stolen. And then the backups of the recordings were stolen, which suggests very strongly that pretty sophisticated criminal rings or uh, gangs or whatever they are, syndicates, uh, were involved. And then, of course, you had the broader political issue Uh, which is that there is an entire cadre of uh, both elected and appointed officials at every level of government, from local through provincial to national, who owe their positions to, in, in effect, not Jacob Zuma, but the regime that he ran in which they could get away with being unqualified for their job and able mainly to uh, dip into the till uh, and steal. Um, And what they are facing now is prison. And so it is vital for them to secure their own freedom. Uh, I guess that makes some kind of obscure sense to them. And if that requires uh, the level of violence and looting that we saw, then so be it. And that's the price that we pay for them to remain without an orange overall, namely in prison. How much has been linked to pro-Zuma groups? I don't think that there is any obvious straight line other than the ongoing um, stoking of violence by the Zuma family and the foundation. Uh, We know that his daughter, Duduzile, tweeted and then took down from her Twitter uh, page and then claimed it was a fake account, of course. Uh, But she had a shotgun uh, uh, image of uh, or a clip of a shotgun firing pellets into a poster of President Ramaphosa, uh, Duduzani went on to uh, TikTok to ask the looters to, to loot responsibly, please. Um, and this after saying that there would be blood and there would be... Uh, and, and unfortunately, it has to be said that Jacob Zuma's lawyer uh, warned this the, the constitutional court that he didn't want another Marikana. Um, and yet here we are. So I think uh, quite a lot can be linked in, in that sense. I don't think uh, that there is a more overt um, plot uh, in which uh, either Zuma or his family were directly uh, responsible for everything that happened. 
but I certainly think that they were the enablers um, for this to happen and it does all lead back without question uh, not just to Jacob Zuma the man but to the people who rely on him being around to keep them out of jail. Why have the protests been so violent and destructive? Well I think I, I mean, I think people have good reason. Uh, I think people have waited an awful long time for uh, jobs, uh, decent housing, uh, you know, heat, uh, electricity, and they're not getting it, uh, or not enough. Of, not enough people are getting it uh, in an affordable way. And so I think there is a lot of anger. Of course, it was also uh, the, the violence was uh, primarily in KwaZulu Natal, which is also where the largest Indian population outside of India resides. And so, it's fairly easy to stoke up Indian-African uh, tensions if you want to. Uh, and given that Indians and Africans in many parts of KZN live cheek by jowl, it it becomes uh, both racist and violent simultaneously. Uh, but I think the violence was also being stoked. I mean, people were targeting weapons shops. Uh, they were targeting uh, each other. Um, and uh, there were both criminal gangs, taxi associations, and these uh, kind of deep state, um, really scary people wandering around, all causing this at the same time. If you think of this as an attempt uh, at insurrection, then it was critical that the violence should be as violent and overt, and preferably at a much larger scale than they achieved, because it's only when, you, when you're able to show a country falling apart that you're able to mount the argument that the sitting president is not competent and therefore you must release the former president who will bring peace to the land. That's the game plan. Um, and it failed. Uh, but it could have been much worse and it may still be much worse. We shouldn't imagine this is over. I think we're all trying to get into the rah-rah we're rebuilding. I think we may be a little bit um, optimistic on that one. What does the spread of violence in the two provinces say about the state's preparedness? I think the response of the state in every respect shows an almost catastrophic lack of preparedness, lack of information, lack of planning, lack of intelligence about what to do on the ground. Uh, you know, this notion that you can just drive a police car past a massive looters and they'll all suddenly become law-abiding citizens again. Uh, just nonsensical. Um, we know that... Uh, Part of state capture was hollowing out police capacity. It was hollowing out prosecu prosecutorial capacity in the NPA. Um, it was hollowing out the hawks uh, and, and filling the police with, with uh, either incompetent or ideologically questionable um, individuals. And we know some of the leaders of the police are now in prison, um, including Richard and Ludley, who I think who is, a, who is now a convicted uh, kidnapper. So, you know, these are hardly the most savory people to have around. Um, we know that uh, Zuma had his own private unit um, from the state security agency that were trained in Russia and China, were brought back here uh, and were infiltrated into the police and the army, but not by being recruited. They simply appeared and did their thing. Um, and that's an entire detachment, or I don't know what the mili military thing is, it's, a group of men who were trained purely, 48 of them, to, 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 to respond to what uh, Jacob Zuma's uh, instructions were. Uh, and as the high-level uh, in, investigation showed, uh, the Sydney Mufamadi panel, um, this was effectively a parallel state and a parallel state security agency. Um, so surprise, surprise, the violence spreads um, and the state is not ready 
because the state and the state is at war with the state. Um, that's uh, what we have to try and wrap our heads around. What are the top three things that need to be done now? I say I'm not convinced that retribution, states of emergency, strong arm of the law. I'm not sure those are all appropriate responses for looters because it seems fairly clear that many of the looters are genuinely hungry, unemployed, desperate people. We all know that there were some middle-class idiots who are selfish, immoral opportunists. You know, the, 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 the chap who was loading stuff into his Mercedes-Benz and then denying that he was ever in the shop. He picked it up off the pavement, he said, as if that made it okay. And then video evidence emerges of him leaving the shop with the basket. So, you know, there were clearly uh, all sorts of um, opportunists like that. But I think one needs to have empathy uh, and uh, what we would like to invoke uh, Ubuntu when it comes to people who are starving and 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 or worried about where they how they're going to feed their kids the next day, and if someone comes along and says you can loot and there will be no consequences, um, people tend to, to to listen. So the first thing is not to blame the looters; they're the easy ones. It's kind of like a criminal gang. You can always catch the kid who's selling dacha on the street, but if you want to get the kingpin, it's a whole different operation. The same thing applies here. The second one is clearly to get the kingpins. Uh, and most of them are increasingly um, publicly known. And some of them are quite proud to be publicly known. So they should be in jail. Um, you know, we've been asking, civil society that is, have been asking for to see people in orange overalls since the state, uh, the Zondo Commission into State Capture began. Um, and uh, on the one hand, Zuma is the first one. Uh, but we're looking for a whole lot more uh, to be uh, in, in, in prison because we know they uh, were part of stealing 50 billion rand from the fiscus. Um, and that 50 billion rand is now not available uh, to help reconstruction, uh, for which they are directly liable. And I hope they feel uh, all the guilt that goes with it. The third thing, I think, is to stop the blame game. I think this is becoming... Uh, you know, blame the ANC, blame black people, blame Indian people, blame this, blame that. Um, I do think that there is a deeper fraying of the social contract that is holding us together. Um, some would argue that we're not held together at all, that it has failed. So I, I think that the, you know, it's been an incredibly difficult couple of years with the pandemic, the lockdowns, the, the, the loss of livelihoods and, and uh, employment opportunities, even though the, the state has, has made other uh, temporary relief available. I think there is a far deeper conversation that is required now that says, what is South Africa wanting to be going forward? You have the sense that our first birthing attempt, if you like, this first 25 years has run, in part has run its course. And clearly, the rule of law has not and doesn't ever run its course. And that's why, you know, abiding by the Constitution, getting people in prison matters. But I think there may be time for a new conversation when we know that uh, well over two thirds of, of young black men in South Africa are out of work. We have a very, very serious problem. And it's not going to be solved by saying the youth are the leaders of tomorrow. Uh, the question is, what will the youth be eating and doing tomorrow? the next day after you hear this podcast. And I think until we resolve those deeper problems, I'm not sure we're going to sort this out. On the other hand, uh, South Africans are remarkably resilient and uh, all the media at the moment is about uh, coming together to rebuild. And it may well be that it's only after we go through the very bottom of this that we can come out the other side um, more united, 
more wary of what can go wrong because we've seen it, but we've also been knees deep in the dirt cleaning it up side by side. And I think that matters. South Africa will need to recover from the destruction of these recent events. Poor and hungry people exist, and the state should be ashamed. But hungry people do not become violent looters. There are organizers behind events like these, and the organizers need to face the law. South Africa must strengthen its institutions to stop events like this from happening again. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Pasha, produced by Ozer Patel. From me, Nando Begumjali, it's bye for now.